So I'm, I'm coming into this like ready for the Lord to do something in our church today. Like I'm coming into this ready for the Lord to speak to us and for him to move. And it's going to be awesome. So that's where we're at. And uh, we are in the second week now of our series on 1 John. And I'm very excited about it. This is such a good book. It has such good practical things for us, for our lives, for our church in this day, in this season. So this is very good that we're doing this. And last week, we hit on just what's such a very important truth. We said this, there is a life to be lived. Do you believe that today? There's a life to be lived. There's life out there. God has a life for us. God has a life for you. And it's a life, like we're saying, beyond Sunday morning. It's a life beyond just casual church attendance only. It's a life beyond casual consumer Christianity. It's a life beyond going through the motions. It's a life beyond getting bogged down by the cares and the things of the world. It's a life beyond our fears and our anxieties over things. It's a good life that God has for us. It's a life of joy. It's a life of peace. It's a life of relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth, and his name is Jesus. Is that good news today? Yes. So we want to live this life. We want to know what it means to experience this life that Jesus has for us. And as we kind of go through the rest of 1 John, we're going to be on this journey going through it for a number of weeks we're going to get a little more clarity on what that looks like, a whole bunch of different aspects of that. So that's what we're doing today. Now, in a minute, we are going to read the Bible, but before we get to that, we have to make a pit stop, because you guys know if you're going on a long drive somewhere, you got to like fuel the car up before you go, right? So that's what we're going to do, because there's something I want to talk about that isn't like expressly right in our text, but it's right there. It's right under the surface, and it's going to help uh, make it easier for us to understand what's being said today and help us apply it better. So we're going to make a pit stop. How many of you, I'll start with a question. How many of you like to go swimming? Some of you, okay? How many of you, when you go swimming in a swimming pool, you get in the shallow end first? A few of you dip your toe in, get up to your knee, and then if you're like me, you chicken out and right out you go because it's too cold? How many of you get in the deep end first? Okay. Some of you don't get in at all. I respect that. That's cool. But sometimes you just got to get in the deep end, right? For me, I'm like that. If I try to go in the shallow end, I'll chicken out. If I just dive in or belly flop in, like I'll be all right. We're going to go in the deep end of the pool to start this morning. And it's something, like I say, it's going to be a little bit heady perhaps, but I want you to stick with me because this is important. So what I want to talk to you about is the concept of binary thinking. Somebody say binary. And I had not heard of that. I did not know what it was till recent years when it started kind of cropping up more in our culture. You hear that word binary sometimes in our culture. Here's essentially what we're talking about. Binary, the word binary, that the beginning of that word is bi, which means two. Binary thinking is where there's two options to something. There's two ways of thinking. It's black and white, there's this or there's that. Okay, you with me so far? Then there's non-binary thinking in contrast. That's where whatever you're thinking about or dealing with or talking about, there are many options, there are many truths, there are many paths. It's just you, you kind of make your own, create your own. That's essentially what that is. Now, 
God is oftentimes a binary thinker. Perhaps not exclusively, but in a lot of ways, like he's pretty cut and dried. There's this or there's that. There's, I want you to do this and I don't want you to do that. God says, there are things like light and darkness. He said there are things like sin and righteousness. There are things like lies and truth and right and wrong. Like there's not this middle ground with God on right and wrong. It's this or it's that. Sometimes it can get a little controversial even for some. God's design is male and female only. Like see how popular that is on the internet, right? Because our culture is becoming increasingly non-binary. If you pay attention to what's going on, that's kind of where the trend is going. Things like, for instance, the concept of absolute truth, people just dismiss that sometimes. It's all relative. If it's truth for me, that's all that matters. People say, well, that's wrong for you, but it's right for me. So, And you can't judge me, by the way, because I'm living my truth and you're living your truth. We're all just living our own subjective truth. That's kind of where things are going in some ways. And what sometimes people try to do, stay with me, is we try to orchestrate these non-binary experiences of God. We'll say things like, oh, there are many paths to heaven. How many of you have heard people say that? There are many ways to heaven, many paths to God, many ways to have a spiritual experience. So all you've got to do is honor your own, you know, follow your heart, follow your truth, and God has to let you in. God has to honor that. Well, that simply isn't true from what we see in the scriptures. People will say things like, yeah, okay, the Bible you know, says so and so, but there are lots of other spiritual books out there we should be looking at, not just the Bible. Or they say, yeah, that's in the Bible, but that was written a long time ago, and our culture is different. We've evolved, so we have to take that and you know, kind of change it and make it fit our culture. That's not really how it works with God. And the reason I'm telling you all this is because if we want to think biblically, a lot of times we have to be willing to think binary. And in our text today, non-binary thinking isn't going to help us very much. If we take what God is going to tell us today, and I think God does have something to say to us today, if we take that and we try to pull it into the sort of shades of gray and, well, I'm an exception, or, you know, what about this, or that doesn't really apply to me, like we're going to dull we're going to do a dulling work in our hearts. And the word of God is sharp like a two-edged sword. And like I say, he wants to speak to us on this. And the reason, by the way, we want to get our text right today is because God has a life for us and this text is going to help us live it. It's a good word that he has for us today. So when God comes at us today, I'm just going to tell you, he's going to come at us with some pretty binary things, black and white. It's this or it's that. Will we receive that? Will we be willing to just take him at what he says and not try to skirt around it? That's going to be our challenge for today. So are we good? Are we good there? Okay, pit stop is over. Grab your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. It, we're going to read through till the end of verse 10. It says this. This is the message... We have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with who? One another. 
three of you that saw that, that's good, good job. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Somebody said, of course, I picked the week to come to church where they're going to talk about sin. Yes, you did. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Now, right off the bat, we're going to hit on a, a fundamental truth that's going to set up the whole rest of our text. Verse 5 says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. Well, who's the him there? What's that talking about? That's God. That's God. That's Jesus. Remember we said last week that Jesus, the word of eternal life, has been made manifest to us. So we can see him, we can come to know him, and inevitably when we look to Jesus, when we start to learn more things about him, about God, what we see is that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So when we say that God is light... What that's meaning is that he is holy, he is perfect, he is glorious, he is righteous, he is powerful, he is amazing. That's what we're talking about. It doesn't just say that God has light, it says that he is light. That's just who he is, that's just his character, that's what he's made of, he's, he's light. And it says that there's no darkness in him at all. It says that God has never done anything short of perfection, ever. This means that God has never been wrong. God has never done anything to violate his own character or his own standard or his own nature. That's just who he is. God has never been at fault. So friends, the God that we serve, we just have to understand and call it to our minds today, the God that we serve and worship and follow and live for is perfect. He is amazing. He is righteous. He is altogether wonderful. He's altogether powerful. He is altogether worthy of our praise. And I want somebody to give it to him today. Okay, all right. All right, that's our God. And you have to understand, that sets him apart from us entirely. Like that, this verse right here serves to do that. God is here, we are not. Where God is light, we have darkness. Where God is perfect, we are imperfect. Where God is righteous, we are sinners. Where God is holy, we are unholy. And even the people who we would look at in our lives and say, oh, they're a good person, well, they even have darkness in them. And guess what? You have darkness in you, and I have darkness in me. So this sets us apart from God. We are not on the same plane as God. And really, really, in some ways, we ought to have no business even dealing with God. He is so much greater, superior to us in every way. Like we don't even have the business to drive in the same lane as him. Drive on the same road as him. Like that's God. That's God. But the super cool thing is God wants a relationship with us. Which is mind-boggling because there's such just a gap there between us and him. Like he is so much greater, yet he's a relational God and he wants to relate to us, have a relationship with us. And we said last week, part of the design and function that we have as people is to be in relationship with God. Like that's, that's part of how we were designed and hardwired. And we said last week that when we don't have that relationship with God, well, then we're missing out on a big part of what life is all about. 
So it's all about relationship. And because God wants a relationship with us, because God loves us, he's now going to speak to us so that we can further and deepen that relationship with him. And again, I will ask you, when he's about to speak, will we listen? Will we take it to heart? Will we open our ears and will we open our minds? Because if we hear what God is about to say and we say, I disagree, who do you think is wrong? Just saying, is God wrong or could it possibly be, just possibly be that I'm wrong or you're wrong? I think we know the answer to that. So what God is going to speak to us today is a warning about our sin. And you see it in a few verses here. Look, okay, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So God wants to talk to us about our sin today. That'll make us feel real comfortable, eh? But this is actually really good Though it looks kind of heavy, there's a light at the end of this tunnel, and we're going to get there, and it's, it's good. So just see the binary language here, though, how very cut and dried it is. If we say we do this, but we do that, you know, there's no middle option there. It's this or that. You can see there's light, there's darkness, there's lies, then truth, all very binary. So God's clearly trying to say something to us, very clearly. So let's go through this. Verse 6 if we say we have fellowship with him, fellowship you got last week is fellowship is the F word you can say in church. You're welcome, okay? So if we say we have fellowship, fellowship is all about relationship with Jesus. That's what that's talking about. If we say, I know Jesus, I walk with Jesus, I love Jesus, we're friends, we would say that as believers, would we not? That we have fellowship with him, right? Okay. So he's talking to us. This could very well pertain to us today. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Black and white. I guess the operative thing to look at first is what, what is darkness? What's he talking about when he says darkness? Well, that's talking about our sin, which is clear when you look at the rest of these. And sin, of course, is rebellion against God. It's defiance against God. It's disobedience to God. It's, sin is inconsistent with the glory and the character and the nature of God. Sin brings forth the wrath of God. Sin is when we do evil deeds. It's when we think evil thoughts. It's when we fail to do the right thing or the good thing. Sin is sometimes when we put ourselves as number one and put ourselves before God or we try to get around God or disregard God. That's all kind of wrapped up in this sin thing. Sin is offensive to God. Sin, again, is opposed to his nature. Sin is imperfection. And we've just identified that God not only you know, has some degree of perfection, God is perfect. That's just who he is. And so here's the perfection of God and the imperfection of sin. Well, they're not compatible. They don't go together. They, they, they can't coexist together. And so sin, therefore, is a big problem. Because if we were designed to function in relationship with God and this sin gets in the way, that's a problem for us. There's something between us and God. And if you look around and you say, wow, this world is such a crazy, messed up place, it's because of the presence of sin in it. This isn't how God designed and wanted things to be, but this is just the snowball effect of sin being in the world, and we're all sinners, and this is, this is the result. Okay, so sin is a problem. 
And we all sin. Hate to break it to you today. We all sin. We have all done things that fall short of that standard of God. That's all of us. And it's a wide net. Now, that said, verse 6 is trying to do something more specific, though, than just identify loosely the fact that we're all sinners. There's something more going on in here, and it's this. It's saying that if you are a Christian, if you say you have fellowship with him, but you walk in darkness, you're lying. <clears throat> right? This is when we say, I love Jesus, but we're full of continual sin and darkness. Doesn't compute. This is like some of you, I think, unfortunately, maybe have had this experience in your life. This is where you have that person who says, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. We're best friends. Best friends for life. Let's go get ice cream. We're friends, man. We're friends. They say that to your face. But then when they're not around you, when you're not there, they're talking smack about you. They're gossiping about you. They're slandering you. They're insulting you. They're cutting you down. And when you find out about that, I mean, that hurts, right? And when you find out about that, okay, maybe if it was a one-time thing, okay, let's talk about it. We can work through this. But if you find out that someone's doing that again and again and again and again and again, what are you going to be thinking? You're not my friend. You're lying to me. That is saying that we can do the same thing to Jesus when we claim him as Lord, when we claim to have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness. So that's heavy. But we gotta unpack verse six even more because I, I don't want there to be any confusion about verse six here. The key term, I'm even gonna go point to it. Let's see how bad this goes. See if I can knock anything over. The key term, somebody say it. It's Walk. If we walk in darkness. When you see the word walk in the scriptures, oftentimes it's talking about the way that you live your life in an ongoing fashion. Okay, it's, it's the routine, regular, just way you live your life. That's your walk. This is saying if you walk in darkness, you're lying. So I guess for us, we need to check ourselves and say, how is my walk? What is my walk like? I don't even mean that in an overly spiritual way. Like what, like, what am I doing in my life? What is my regular, everyday, routine life like? Because if it's out of joint with Jesus and his word and his character, then there's a problem. Now, before I completely and utterly discourage you, there is a bit of good news in here. And it's this. There is a difference between a walk and a step. There may even be a difference between a walk and a couple few steps. Like if I'm in my house, and I'm to this end of my house, in the living room, and I have to go get something in the bedroom at the other end of the house, and I'll say, Lori, going for a walk. See you later. Going for a walk. Just wait now. No, I take a few steps, and I go to the other end of the house, and I get what I need. We all make many missteps. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we make many missteps, at least on occasion. For some of us, it's maybe a little more occasional, okay? 
This verse is not expressly talking about our missteps. It's talking about our walk. What this verse is not saying is if you claim to have fellowship with Jesus and you slip up or sin even once, you're lying, you're wrong, you're wrong. That's not what that's saying. And I think that's really good news for us today. Because we all stumble, we all slip up, we all misstep. But what this is talking about is especially the deliberate, ongoing, repeated, unrepented of sins. How many of you know we can still have those even as Christians? This is when we choose to enter into sin, whatever it is, willfully, knowingly, and we stay in it. We don't correct, we don't receive correction, we just keep right on going in it and won't repent. Well, this is saying if we get into that kind of state, we don't have fellowship with God. We're lying. Matter of fact, we're not truly living the life that God has for us. And I'm not saying, and this isn't coming out and saying, that means you're not saved. What this is saying is, listen, don't expect to be living the full life and the fullness of the life that Jesus has for you if if you're in that kind of way. And just for full clarity, like I'm not judging, by the way, because I've been there myself. Maybe some of you have as well. Don't expect for God to be blessing the daylights out of you if that's going on in your life. Don't expect your joy to just be right through the roof and your peace to be more full than you've ever experienced if you're walking in ongoing sin. That's not the answer. Verse 8 continues on then. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is where we start to say things like, and I, like I've said this, maybe you've said this. Oh, what I'm doing is fine. God's fine with it. I'm not doing anything wrong. Sometimes we'll literally say that when someone will approach us about our sin and show us right in the scripture that it's wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not wrong. Don't judge me. I'm, on, I'm walking my own truth. Eh. Okay. This is where we also, we can start to justify or rationalize our sin. Well, I know it's wrong, but doesn't God want me to be happy? Aren't I free in Christ? Isn't God love and he'll forgive me? You know, grace and grace and grace. The verse just came into my mind. Are we to go on sinning since there's grace? We're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. How can you who died to sin live in it any longer? This is where, you know, we may not actually come right out and say we have no sin, but perhaps we put on a front or a mask or, or just kind of an air about us that, we're above that, we're holier than thou. Well, that's not the answer either. If we do that, we deceive ourselves. We're just going around, living a lie. We're just fooling ourselves. And I'm not saying that we ought to glorify our sin either, but when we just totally diminish it or deny it or sweep it under the rug, well, that's not the answer here. That's not the path to life. We're just pretending. And look at verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. So not only are we lying when we get into this way, when we deal with our sins in this way, when we keep on in our sins or when we deny them or diminish them or downplay them or pretend we're not in them, not only are we lying, we're saying that God is a liar. That's not good. Because God says some things about this in his word. For instance, he says, you need to be saved. Well, if we say, no, I don't, no, no, I don't sin, no, no. Well, it's like, 
Well, if we say we have no sin, for one, we're kind of putting ourselves dangerously close to the level of Jesus, who is the only one who's ever lived without sin. And I'm just saying, like, we don't even come close to that. We're deceived if we think that. If we aren't sinners, if we don't wrestle with this stuff, if we don't struggle sin as a non-issue, then we don't really need to be saved. We don't really need the cross. We don't really need the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us. We don't really need wisdom from God. We don't really need brothers and sisters in the faith to help hold us up. Here's the problem. God says we need all those things, all of those. And so again, if we disagree, like who's wrong there? We have to humble ourselves. And I know, okay, this is a strong message. This is a strong word. And it can be unpleasant, especially when we start to really look into our own lives. But it's so important. If we say we're living, walking with Jesus, but our lives are full of this darkness, we're not. We're lying. And I don't want myself, I don't want you guys, I don't want anybody to be in that kind of state. So there's got to be there's got to be some other way, some other alternative to deal with our sin. We're not to keep on in it. We're not to sweep it under the rug. We're not to diminish it, deny it, or put on a front like we're you know, not even in it or struggling with it. There's a better way, and I'm happy to share it with you today. And I think it's going to bring some freedom to us today. Here it is, the solution. Verse 7, and we'll get to verse 9 later as well. Look at this. But... Okay, there's a better way. There's a second option here. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so let's just pick through that. If we walk in the light, well, what does that mean? Well, we've established already that the walk is just the ongoing way that we live, the way we choose to live, regular routine basis. If we walk in the light... Well, that's talking about, remember, we've said God is light. So to walk in the light is to choose consistently to live in a way that's pleasing to God. Now, we're not going to get it right all the time. But again, we're talking about, generally speaking, the trajectory that our lives take is we're walking, living in such a way, aiming to please the Lord and to do what he says and to get onto his program. This is, for instance, I'll give you a few examples. This is walking in obedience, so routinely, we make it our goal that when the Lord speaks or when the Lord shows us something in his word, we line ourselves up with that. We do it. We don't, you know, hum and haw or just blatantly disregard it. We do it. Obedience. That's one way to walk in the light. Another one is to yield to the Spirit. So we as Christians have the Holy Spirit and sometimes he will lay something on your heart or your mind or he'll just, you know, prompt you in some way. Well, to walk in the light is to Stop and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? And we yield to that. We don't just brush him off or, you know, flick him away like he's a mosquito, right? Um, walking in the light is like walking in humility. This is where we're not going around and puffing out our chest and trying to live like we're number one and we're trying to make much of ourselves. This is where we say intentionally, regularly, hey, less of me, more of Jesus. Walking in the light also involves walking in repentance. So again, I said, we're not going to do it perfectly. When we misstep, when we get into sin, even if it's a really bad sin, a really terrible thing we've done, we say, oh my word, Lord, I've done this. I confess it to you. I'm out. I'm coming back to you, Jesus. R routinely. We need to, how many of you know we need to repent in an ongoing basis as Christians, right? Of course we do. Walking in the light involves walking in faith. 
This is believing and trusting God every step of the way. We're not doubting. We're not questioning. We're not worried or anxious. We're saying, I trust you, Lord. And I'm going to walk in faith that you're going to deliver me. You're going to provide for me. That's that. Walking in the light involves walking in love as well. Love is more than a feeling, of course. Love is something that we can choose to do and something we can choose to show. So to walk in love is to intentionally say, I'm going to love the Lord and I'm going to what? Show love to others. We choose to do that. So that's a little snapshot of walking in the light. And when we make those things and others regular practice in our lives, that's when we walk in the light. And when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, so it goes right back to the Lord, it's all about him, when we're walking in a way that's pleasing to him, when we're living our lives that's consistent with his character, when we're becoming more Christ-like, this is where it gets really good. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Let's deal with that bottom line first, the, the end of that first. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I just find it very interesting. This is telling us not to pretend, not to diminish. This is saying, come into the light, drag your sin to Jesus if you have to, and he'll come alongside you and cleanse you. Cleansing is a good word. Cleansing is something that we need. We all need cleansing from sin. Listen to me, if you're not a Christian, God wants to cleanse you in such a way, in, in a sweeping, powerful, one-time way that brings you from a, a position of darkness and death and sin and condemnation. He wants to cleanse you and forgive you of your sins and bring you into the light, bring you into his family, bring you out from under the path of his wrath and save you. That is a way that God cleanses us. He saves us. And so if you're not a Christian, that's where you need to look for that. We also need cleansing as believers too, right? And I'm not talking about like, oh, we need to be saved again. No, we're saved one time and that's it. But I don't know about you. I'll just speak for myself. I know that I need ongoing help. I need ongoing healing. I need ongoing sanctification from the Lord. I need to experience his grace again and again and again in my life. Would that apply to you as well? So this is saying if we want cleansing... Cleansing, and the cleansing only comes through Jesus, right? It's not try harder, do more, go to church more often, keep coming, please, but it's through Jesus' sacrifice. We'll talk more about that later, but if you want cleansing, you come into the light. You just got to deal with it. You got to bring it out into the open and deal with it, okay? Now, let's deal with the, uh, the sort of in the middle of this text here. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, I think this one is super cool too. That is a super cool byproduct of living God's way. It leads to fellowship specifically in the church. You have to understand fellowship is a spiritual issue. Like fellowship is not just hanging out. There's a difference between fellowship and just hanging out. Anybody, any place can go hang out as long as they keep their six feet distance. What? Okay, anyway... Anybody, any place can hang out and it could have nothing to do with God. You're just hanging out together. But fellowship is different. Fellowship, we've read, remember, the, our fellowship is with God and it's with others. We've, we've seen that already in 1 John. We could all, we could all just hang out. 
we could bury our sin and sweep it under the rug and just pretend like it doesn't exist, and we could hang out, maybe have a pretty good hangout. And if we were to do that, we would all be a bunch of naughty and shady people who are hypocrites, okay? Somebody says, what'd you learn in church today? Well, the pastor called me a naughty, shady hypocrite, so that ministered to me. No, or we could have fellowship, the fellowship is this sweet unity that is a gift from the Lord that happens when we believers in Jesus hang out with each other and draw strength from the relationships that we have with him. That's what fellowship is all about. So it's a, it's a spiritual matter altogether. That's what God can do in our lives when we start to deal with our sin the right way. It leads to good things. My absolute favorite verse in this text though is verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just reading that, you know what that tells me? God wants to cleanse us from our sin and our unrighteousness. God wants to do that work in our lives. And I don't want to get in the way of him doing that work in our lives because it's going to make life better, right? So, God wants to do that, by the way, because when our sin gets dealt with and it's no longer between us and him, we can come closer and closer to him and have a deeper and more meaningful relationship with him. Translation, we can experience the life he has for us in greater measure. So if we just don't go for this and we just stay where we're at and stay in that sin, like that relationship with the Lord is very likely not gonna get deeper. The more we move past sin, though, the more we come to experience life. That's what the word of the Lord is saying to us today. Now, it says God is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How, how would God doing that make him faithful, I wonder? Well, long ago and on a few different occasions, the Lord has spoken something and he's promised something. One of them is in Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. He's, this is one of your classic. He says, I'm the Lord. I'm slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And he says, forgiving iniquity and transgression. That's what the Lord says. The Lord says that he will do this. And he is faithful to what he has said. If God said he was going to do this, if God said he would forgive us and cleanse us, that's enough because he said it. And that's final because God doesn't go back on what he says God is faithful. So I take comfort from that. The one I like personally the best is where it says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Now, if you look at that initially, it might almost seem backwards. You're saying, wait a minute. How would that be just? How would that be justice? Shouldn't it be like I've sinned against God and I've committed crimes against God? Shouldn't I pay for those? Wouldn't those be justice? will explain. Yes, sin requires payment. The wages of sin is death. So when we sin, we got to pay the penalty. There's no two ways about it. There's no getting around it. We all sin and we all owe a debt, a payment, a penalty to God because we've sinned against him. And the problem is this debt is not just a little debt. It's not a manageable debt. It's not let me put that on another credit card and I'll have that dealt with. This is a crushing debt. 
This is a debt that is so much more than we can ever repay. Like once we go through that, once we commit, you know, a crime against the Lord, we go through that door, like there's no coming back on our own. You can never pay off your debt. Well, it says the wages of sin is death. So we pay with our very lives. We have to give everything because of sin. And when we're in that sin, when we make that payment on our own, it's death, it's condemnation, it's punishment, it's separation from God, it's not good. Here's the amazing thing though, God looks at us and he sees us in that state, not when we were at our best, like come on now, while we were at our worst, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God looks at us in our sorrowful state knowing that we can never ever pay the debt that we owe to him so he, out of the goodness of his heart and the compassion of his heart, he looks at us and he pays the debt for us. Can you like actually imagine that? Someone commits a crime against you, you see them do it, you drag them to court, clearly guilty, you've got it on video on your phone, and while you're there, yes, you know, they smashed my window and it, you know, it was $500 to fix. Okay, judge, I'd love to go ahead and pay for my own window to be fixed, even if they did it. Like that doesn't make any sense. But that is what God has done. Jesus died on a cross to pay for our sins. Jesus went to the cross. He took on the full weight of God's wrath for not only my sin, not only your sin, but the sin of the world. Jesus bore that on the cross. And he did that so that our debt could be paid, our account could be settled. And so now, you guys, as we come in to Jesus, when we trust in Jesus, when we accept what he's done for us, when we believe that he is Lord, that he died for our sins, that he rose in victory, when we align ourselves to him in this way, that's the path that we take to get saved. That's when the Lord does this. So listen though, this does not mean that we get away with anything. We get annoyed, how many of you would be annoyed and are annoyed when someone commits a crime and they get away with it. It's annoying. That never happens with God, ever. There's not one thing, one crime, one sin that's ever been done that isn't dealt with. God always, 100% of the time, ensures that sin is paid for, that justice is served. But here's the deal. Here's the good news today. God poured out his justice. God poured out his wrath on Jesus so that it does not have to be poured out on us. God, and watch this, because of what God has done in Christ on the cross, Jesus pays for our sin, God can still forgive us and cleanse us, and his justice is still upheld at the same time, because justice has already been served on the cross. Somebody give him thanks today. So one last thing on this verse, we're starting our slow descent in. You guys been in an airplane, the seatbelt? light comes on and it's still like a half hour before you land. It won't be that long, but it's kind of that. Okay. Look at the first five words of that verse. Read them out loud. What does that say? If we confess our sins. Oh, this is conditional. Some things about God are just unconditional, but some things are conditional. Some things kind of depend on us in some ways. The question here is not whether or not we're going to sin. Hate to break it to you, you're gonna sin. You've probably sinned a number of times today already. Unless it's just me, it probably isn't. 
The question is not whether or not we're going to sin. The question is what are we going to do with that sin? Fellowship with God. Relationship. Ongoing, deepening relationship with God. A.K.A. the life that he has for us. It hinges on whether or not we will confess our sins. Especially the deep, ongoing, deliberate ones. But also including the one-timers too. Because here's what confession does. It acknowledges that there's a problem. It humbles us, and it makes us more aware of our need for Jesus. So if we don't confess, this doesn't apply to us. If we don't confess our sins, we don't get the cleansing that our hearts so desperately need. That's part of the reason we can remain in some sins for so long. Why we can't seem to shake them? Because we've never started with confession. And if we want to be recipients of God's ongoing grace, I certainly do. If we want to be recipients of his ongoing grace, we've got to start by confessing our sin to him. By the way, and I'll mention this in a minute, sometimes our confession is to other people. It's to God and others. Remember, like I said, our fellowship is with him and with other people. We've seen that just in the first chapter of 1 John. Start with God, okay? Start your confession with God. But you may need to loop others in as well, maybe to start righting a wrong, maybe to get accountability in some area. But the point is this, start with confession. Will we swallow our pride? Will we get over ourselves enough to bring our sins to the Lord, drag ourselves into the light if we have to, where Jesus is, and let him work on us and cleanse us and change us because the life that God has for us is paved with the confession of our sin. That's how we've got to deal with it. The question isn't whether we'll have it or not. The question is how are we going to deal with it. So we're going to wrap up here. We're going to wrap up and move on to some other things today. I find it very interesting that we're going through 1 John just in order. Here's just what it is. Last week, we start with this high-level, amazing truth. Oh, my word, God has a life for me. He loves me. He wants a relationship with me. Awesome. And the very next thing we come to talk about is our sin. I find that very interesting. What that tells me is this. If you want to live the life that God has for you, you've got to deal with your sin. It's of primary importance. God is inviting each one of us today. God is not sitting idly by on the sideline, not giving a rip about you. God is saying, hey, I want you to walk with me. I want a relationship with you. I want you to walk with me and experience the life that I have for you. And he says, if you want to walk with me, you've got, in, you've got to walk in the light because I am light. And if you're going to walk in the light, you've got to come to grips with the darkness that's in you. And God says, I want you to bring that to me. Just bring it to me. Look, I already know about it anyway. That's the thing. God already knows our sin. How foolish we must look when we try to skirt around and he doesn't see me. Oh, that's foolishness. God says, bring it to me. He says, I'm not going to use it to condemn you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Bring it to me. I love you. I want to walk with you. I want to cleanse you. I want to change you. God is inviting us to this today. And so we have a response to make. And it's going to be a twofold, sort of a threefold response today. Number one is this we're going to confess our sin. Somebody says, I don't like where this is going. Look, we've, anyway, 
Anyway, we're going to like do it today, right now. We are here with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the presence of the Lord. Like now is the time to start this. In case you're like now panicking, we're not going to like get you to come up and shout out all of your sins to the rest of the church, okay? So let me explain. We're going to confess our sins. We're going to enter into a time in a few minutes where it's just going to kind of be an open, just sort of free-flowing time. And we're gonna, I want to start this right now. We're going to confess our sins to the Lord because that is when we can start to come into this cleansing, redemptive work that he wants to do in us. We've got to get with the Lord. And I'll explain details in a minute. You might also want to confess your sins to other people too, though. That is something that we have open to us because maybe you have sinned against somebody. Maybe you've sinned against someone who's here today and you gotta confess that to them so you can work on starting to make that right. Maybe you have withheld something from someone that they really should know about. Maybe you need accountability in a certain area and you need a brother or sister to come along and help hold you up in that. Again, give details on how we're going to do this in a minute. But we're going to do that now. I don't want to mess around. I don't want us to waste our time here. This is the word of the Lord, and we're going to respond to it today. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to proclaim his praise. Because I hope that you see the wonder of God in the text that we just read. He is light. He is perfect. He is holy, he is glorious, he is wonderful, and he is worthy of our praise. So I don't want an opportunity to go by where we just don't give him the praise that he deserves. Again, we'll give details in a second, but here's, here's what I want to do now. Um, I want to pray for us, and then I'm going to give some housekeeping items, and we're going to move into this. So um, here's what I'd like for you to do. Maybe you could stand to your feet today as we go before the Lord.